Hello, boys and ghouls. It's Halloween again, which means it's time for HPH to haunt you with this terrifying tale of a real-life serial killer. In the past, we've told you about a man who suffocated women in his murder castle, and a cannibal who stabbed and ate his lovers inside his tiny apartment. This year's scary story is all about a gentleman who used poison to kill desperate women in three different countries. So, settle in and grab your drinks, and be sure to keep them away from any strange men. <laughs> I, I don't mean that in like a date rapey way, like, like he's putting something in your drink, but in a spooky way. Because it's time to enjoy this episode of Hunter Proof History, titled The Lambeth Poisoner. I scream, you scream, we all scream for Thomas Cream. This is Hundred Proof History. We're drinking whiskey and talking history. So, grab a drink, we'll do to each other. Here are your hosts, Chris and Greg. Mm. Trick or treat, Chris. Treat, I guess? It didn't actually matter how you answered the uh, reward or the punishment. Either way, it was my penis. <laughs> it is both the trick and the treat. <laughs> Feeling spooky? I am very, very spooky today. It's uh, October 18th, but, you know, I'm in the mood. I'm in the, yeah. the Halloween mood. Well, man, it's just, you know, tis the season sort of thing. As mm -hmm. it nears Halloween. I like to get in that uh, that spooky mood, you know, just feel nice and haunted. Mm. Are you real talk? Are you a big Halloween guy? No. Me either. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I couldn't give a shit. Yeah. There's a lot of people, this is their identity. They're like, oh, October 1st is spooky season. And they start, like, decorating and getting their costume together and, like, posting all the memes and stuff on Facebook. I'm like... No, October 1st is when I put the Christmas lights up. Like, that's when it's like, oh, finally, it's okay to put Christmas lights fucking up. Fucking power move, right? <laughs> Beat all the neighbors to it. Yeah, I'm that fucking asshole. Yeah. You see and fucking sigh at. Like, God damn it. It would be funny to, like, you're trick-or-treating in your neighborhood, like one of these master-planned neighborhoods, and there's all these Halloween decorations, and then you get to a house, and it's just got, like, the Christmas lights an inflatable Olaf from Frozen, <laughs> and the guy sitting out there is dressed as Santa. Is like, come sit on my lap, and like, well, it's not creepy because he's Santa. But then he touches you inappropriately. Like, oh, oh yeah, it's Halloween. Now I get it. <laughs> it's a creepy Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Just like Uncle every Claus. <laughs> <laughs> well, enough beating around the bush, the bushy mustache, mm -hmm. as we will come to find out. Uh, Chris, why don't you tell the the ladies and gentlemen, the fine ladies and gentlemen of our audience, our listener base, what we're talking about on this very spooky occasion. So we are talking about Thomas Cream, a Victorian serial killer. Um, something we, uh, I didn't know anything about this guy before I just stumbled across this book, which is the case of the murderous Dr. Cream, the hunt for the Victorian era serial killer by Dean Job. What's his middle name, Greg? <laughs> hand. Ah, okay. Yeah, a lot of options with hand. That's fine. It, it still works. It still gets the job done. I wanted to keep it PG-13. <laughs> there you go. 
could have gone the micro route and dirty job. It still opens the uh, the imagination up to things. But uh, mm-hmm. but no, uh, it was a good book. Read it very quickly. It was uh, very interesting. It does some of the things we complained about in our series about Roanoke, where it's just like, this is what it was like in all L- over the, yeah. London at the time. And jumps around. Yeah, it does jump around. It starts in the, like, almost at the end of the story. Yes. It kind of tells you almost the end and then goes back to find the beginning. We're not going to do that to you guys. We're going to keep it in a nice chronological order for this story because it still works. Well, Dean Job wanted to uh, feel like the reader was the detective, you know? Yeah. Like they were kind of piecing together all these things. So, I mean, yeah. it makes sense, but... Yeah, it's it's well written. It's a like I said, it's a page turner. You're like, oh shit, how did we get here? We're gonna tell it in chronological order, and it's still gonna make sense, and it's still gonna be good. Um, it's just not gonna be like I need you to read 300 pages of what I'm about to tell you, because once you're you're kind of in the story, like, oh yeah, he fucking did it. He fucking did it based on what he's done in the past. He, he sure. did it. But yeah, no good book. Recommend it. Check it out. And that's all I have to say about that. That's my Forrest Gump ending. That's just how I wrap things up as Forrest Gump. Poor Forrest Gump. Just, you know, went after this lady for all these years, knocked her up. She had his baby. She never came back till she had AIDS. Never came back to him. And then he was rich. And, she, and we're yeah. supposed, to, supposed to think that's a happy ending to the movie. I'm dying. I need to give my boy a better life. Yeah. My rich, tarted, <laughs> single 30-second time lover yes come on man jenny's piece of shit probably his kid she's probably like hey when he comes over if he tilts your head while you're watching sesame street you tilt yours you just mock him <laughs> just do what he does just copy him we need a honey pot this motherfucker yeah. these age treatments are expensive <laughs> yeah you want to you want a nintendo you want to play mario you want the robot that controls the mario you better fucking do what he does just <laughs> copy him <laughs> Oh, well, I guess we can start the story, I guess. The Halloween, the spooky story. I mean, well, this is episode 99. We're contractually obligated to go to 100, so the quicker we get there, the better. Yes, thank God. Only one more after this. Oh, oof. They think we're joking. Okay. <laughs> Thomas Neil Cream was born on May 27, 1850 in Barony, Scotland. His dad, William, was working as a bill collector for the Glasgow Gas Light Company, but after having a few kids, he decided to move the family to Quebec City in Canada in 1854. Why leave so soon? Hmm. Were they running away from a crime committed by Thomas? No, he, he, he was four. He was a four-year-old kid. Oh yeah, oh. it's kind of like unless it was like Pet Cemetery where they, he died and they buried him and he came back and like cut that dude's Achilles tendon and then murdered him. Right, that's a creepy fucking movie. But but uh, we didn't need the creepy noises there. Wolf Dick, pipe it down. Mm. Sorry, he he gets excited this time of year. He really does. Yeah, you know? I mean he looks like a Halloween costume year the, round. So in the gimp suit, it's his yeah. time to shine. <laughs> yeah. Well, the family settled in in Quebec City, and William invested in a lumber business and became filthy, stinking rich. Thomas grew up in a well-to-do home, got a fine education, and became heavily involved in the local Presbyterian church, where he taught Sunday school and sang in the choir. 
One of his father's friends said that Thomas was, quote, incapable of anything disreputable, end quote. Bet you he's going to feel like an asshole by the end of this podcast. (laughs) He did what? Are you fucking kidding me? I put my signature on his fucking college applications. Backgrounds detectives are calling me. uh, You know, he's a good kid. He's good shit. He's a really good kid, you know? We took all those glamour shots together. (laughs) That I never told his father about. He never told the cops nothing. I'm, I'm sorry, sir. What do you mean? Uh, no, 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 he's a good kid. That's all. <laughs> Still, it was the mid-19th century, so death surrounded Thomas as he grew up. When he was five, his sister Christina died of what was recorded as teething. In 1861, another sister, 10-month-old Hannah, died of a lung infection. And then, when he was 17, his mom became seriously ill possibly because she gave birth to her eighth child at the age of 43. She held on for a few years, with Thomas serving as her main caregiver, but she died in 1870, just before Thomas turned 20. Thomas went to work at the nearby Baldwin shipyard as a clerk. Those fucking Baldwins. Alec just bossing around. They're like the fucking Rothschilds, you know? Yeah. Like, only one of them's talented. And that's the one that was in Biodome with Polly Shore. Stephen, I believe. Yes, he's he's the one that has the talent. The other one's just fucking riding coattails to Oscars and shit. Dude did like a 10-second a speech in a movie and gets an Oscar for it. <laughs> okay. The other few. Oh, yeah, there's Billy, Alec, Stephen. Oh, wait, maybe I'm thinking of Billy's in Biodome. I don't know Fuck. who's in Biodome. Fuck. <laughs> I should know Polly Shore because he's my idol. So I wanted to be when I grew up, and here I am, failing as an artist. And I did it. I did it. You know, he was at a local video store a few years back. Video store. Video store. Those are still a thing. (laughs) This was probably about four or five years ago. He was doing autographs at the video store. I would have gone if I'd known. I definitely would have gone. I would have been too uncomfortable. Have we talked about, I feel like we talked about the 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 last blockbuster documentary that's on Netflix. And how, like, even if there was, I was like, I watched it and I got all nostalgic. Like, oh, I miss Blockbuster. But even if there was a video store, like, literally next door to my house, I would never fucking go. I, I don't, don't even have a way to play them anymore. Yeah. No, I don't either. I don't I don't have Maybe the PS5, any... I guess I could put a DVD in. Yeah, but... I didn't think about that. Yeah. No, everything's digital now. None of my computers even have optical drives. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah. What are I... you going to do? Fucking rent me a thumbstick? <laughs> when I can just go download something in two minutes. Not that I do that, but I, I had a guy rent me a thumbstick at the truck stop. It, it was pretty great. It's one of those you only want to plug into an offline computer, though. Yes, because if you get sure. caught with that thing, it's life. <laughs> it's life. It had a subway logo on it. It was completely unrelated to the contents inside, but I was just throwing that out there. Yeah, no, yeah. There's a, a downside to doing that, that's for sure. Yeah. No, it was actually snuff, is what I'm saying. <laughs> it was a snuff film? It was, yeah, well, films. I just don't want people thinking <laughs> it was kid stuff. Oh, no. No, because well, we talked about it before. People kill themselves in the subway uh, bathroom. So just, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, that's what it is. 
and Jared insisted on having cameras installed in every bathroom for some reason, so you could see the people do that. Yeah. Especially the family bathroom. Yeah. Not so much the men's and the women's, but there was a big uh, streak of a lot of cameras found installed in Subway franchises' family changing room or whatever. Yeah, he's like, make sure that focuses on the changing table specifically. Sick fuck. Yes. Rotten hell, Jared. Fucking rotten hell. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) Well, Thomas was making good money, and Baldwin was being ballsy and attempting to develop ships made out of metal instead of wood. Idiots. What? Won't float. Metal doesn't float. Metal doesn't float. (laughs) Goddamn idiots. What the fuck is wrong with these people? But in May of 1870, a fire devastated the Baldwin shipyard, destroying all of the metal ship prototypes. I don't remember how we built that. We didn't write any of that shit down. Oh, fuck. We are fucked now. But, I mean, how does the fire destroy metal ship prototypes? I don't know. I mean, know. jet fuel can't even melt steel beams. So. That's true. That is, this is a true fact. Go back and listen to 9 because no one did. No one listened to that episode. But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Also, 9-11 conspiracy theorists are fucking idiots. So, continue. Yes. Yeah. This idea for metal ships was abandoned, and the business started to fail because the rest of the world actually did want ships made out of metal. In response, Thomas decided to go to secondary school at La Chute Academy near Montreal. I want a metal ship. (laughs) Oh, Lemmy, you died too young. <laughs> Lemmy, you drank too much. Yeah. <laughs> Hunter proof history. He said his goal was to become a doctor. Back in those days, you'd be like, oh, I'm tired of being a shipyard clerk. What if I just become a doctor instead? Let's just mix this up a little bit. Yeah. No one would ever know why he chose that field. But it might have something to do with the helpless feeling of watching his mother die. Or it might be because doctors made bank and got to chase tail like all the time. And they got to catch it, unlike the rest of us. Yeah. Yeah. We're just chasing it and it gets away. Mainly because I'm wearing high heels. (laughs) You know, and I trip. You can't run like Bryce Dallas Howard in the last Jurassic Park movie away from the T-Rex. In my heels? Yes, that's what she was writing in. That's why that's a relevant joke for 2014. Oh, Bryce is a, a woman's name. Yes. Okay. It's, it's a Ron Howard daughter. Mm. Does the carpet match the daddy? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> it's got like the horseshoe going on. Like, oh, I don't look good anymore, so time to start directing. It's got sideburns. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was cute, then I ruined happy days, and now I'm ruined. So, that's my vagina. Hello. (laughs) That's her Tinder profile. Okay. Well, after Thomas took a year to knock out his prereqs at La Chute, he transferred to Montreal's McGill University. In Montreal, is what I put in this sentence. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Way to write an outline, you fucking moron. (laughs) Everybody, welcome to the New York Knicks. Of New York! (laughs) At his introductory speech, the professor urged the students to avoid, quote, the snares 
of bad habits, end quote, and said, quote, be almost anything but a drunken doctor, end quote. Podcaster it is. There it is. Drunken podcast. Drunken podcaster. <laughs> None of the students listened. McGill Med students were noted as being, quote, lawless, exuberant, and addicted to nocturnal activities, end quote. I'm addicted to nocturnal emissions, not gonna lie. Sleeping with the VR goggles on, hoping for the, the wet dream. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, I did it again. Can you wash the sheets? That's my secret <laughs> kink right there. Okay. <laughs> yes. They were well known to get shit-faced and then fight the police out in the streets. And Sting never saw it coming. <laughs> Cream definitely partook in these activities and had friends, but a lot of people were put off by how egotistical he was and how he loved to flaunt his daddy's money. No, he's not my father. He's just my older boyfriend. <laughs> he's my daddy. <laughs> by this time, Thomas was going bald, had a very thick mustache, thick eyebrows, a heavy, square chin with a dimple, and gray eyes. This guy sounds sexy. Mm. And his gray eyes were permanently crossed due to untreated farsightedness. Oh. oh. I love a little damaged goods from time to time. <laughs> you know, like uh, Juliette Lewis when she played that girl and the other sister. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know? Like Leo DiCaprio in What's Wrong, What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Oh, his hottest role. His yeah. butthole. <laughs> <laughs> well, his cross eyedness and damaged goodness didn't stop the sweet, young, clean daughter of a hotel owner from falling in love with Cream. Well, her name was Flora Eliza Brooks. The two met in Montreal in the spring of 1876. She was from the town of Waterloo, and Cream soon began courting her. Oh, boy did he. Mm, so hard. And little known fact, during the Victorian era, a suitor needed an invitation to call on a young woman at home, and a member of her family had to be there. If they were out, a chaperone was expected to tag along. But somehow these young couples always found a way to get together without supervision. Mm hmm Somehow those boys always find a way to make it up on that mountain. See, I was thinking it was like my sex idol, Jeff Goldblum, said. Uh, mm, uh, uh, life, uh, uh finds a way. Um, uh, look at my erect penis on the beach. <laughs> Google it. We talked about it in The Hangover. <laughs> you wouldn't know if you knew. In April of 1876, Cream graduated from medical school. He had been living in a rented room and told the landlady that he was moving out. You know, I'm just going to keep my stuff here for a few days until I get like a U-Haul or something. Come pick it all up. Takes a little bit of time to rent that shit. He warned her that inside the room was a spooky skeleton. <laughs> but she was cool with it because he was a medical student. On April 18th, a fire broke out in the room, and the firemen found a skeleton lying in the bed, which they assumed would be the room's occupant. But it was just a spooky skeleton. Yeah, and just a reminder for our listeners who haven't listened to all the Patreon backlog and haven't heard the Holmes episode, back in those days, skeletons were real skeletons. They didn't have the fake, like, 
plastic or, you know, plaster of Paris skeletons. It was like, we stripped this body of every bit of flesh and now we can study it. Mm-hmm. So that's a little creepy. It's like, hey, I'm going to leave behind the skeleton and uh, I'm going to lay it in my bed, <laughs> you know? Kiss on it at night. Yeah, you can those stains. That'd be great. <laughs> oh, my wife didn't wash it for me this week. <laughs> Well, everybody came to investigate, and the landlady was like, (laughs) no, 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 that's just a funny Halloween decoration. But she couldn't explain the fire. Cream filed an insurance claim for $978.40, which is like $10 billion in 1876. Mm -hmm. But eventually, he had to settle for $350, which was like $5 billion. I don't know, I can't do the math in my head right now, but... uh, he was disappointed. That's that's the main thing. Yes. Set his whole room on fire. Didn't get away with it. Still, that left a lot of questions that still, to this day, remain unanswered. Where did Cream get that skeleton? Was he trying to fake his own death? But why? I actually don't know. I I know I said that in a way that I was going to answer that question for you, but I don't know what the fuck he was thinking. Uh-huh. Well, back in Waterloo, Cream promised Flora that they were going to get married, which just made those panties drop to the floor. What'd she do with her underwear? <laughs> well, it's 1876, so there's a corset involved and like a hoop skirt. It took a while, but she got there. But Cream was just wearing a little laced thong. (laughs) I mean, I think it's generous to call it a thong. Really, it was was G-string. The Cisco thong song while he's taking it off slowly. (laughs) (laughs) Let me see that (laughs) G-string. Bing, 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 bing. (laughs) Well, in September of that year, Flora cried out in agony, and a doctor was rushed to the house only to determine... That she had undergone an abortion. Greg Abbott, play the spooky noise. <laughs> that was an actual recording of Greg Abbott signing that bill into <laughs> Texas law. <laughs> well, it was obvious that Cream was the father and the abortionist. You guys might not believe this, but abortion was illegal in those days and carried a heavy sentence. But Flora's dad didn't want anyone to know his sweet, clean, innocent angel had indulged in the disgusting act of having sex without also having signed a marriage certificate. And I heard at this point, like, basically anybody can sue her. Yes, for $10,000. Just kidding, you couldn't do that back then. (laughs) That would be archaic. I sued her. I sued the Uber driver that took her to the clinic. <laughs> sued the clinic. I live in Massachusetts, man. I don't even care, but I'm going to make that money. <laughs> How the fuck hasn't that been shot down yet? The slow gears of bureaucracy. I live in the worst state in America. Don't worry. It it will be. Yeah. I'm sure this will fucking age like wine. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. I'll look back on this and be like, God, I was fucking dumb. <laughs> No one's going to look back on this ever. It's almost over. We're just going to no, shut I down. No, I will. Oh, okay. When I think of what could have been. <laughs> well, Flora's dad and two police officers went to Montreal 
and dragged Thomas back and told him he would marry Flora right fucking then and there. That's true love, baby. Yeah, it is. That's what my dad did to my wife. Like, please, please. Maybe you can fix this. Okay. All right. Hundred bucks, a hundred bucks. Baby's breath and a shoe full of rice. No. <laughs> A shit-ass song. And so, on September 11th... Moment of silence. <laughs> no! No, Ghost of Bin Laden. Sorry. Fucking Ghost of Bin Laden always comes around around Halloween. Always. Always haunting us. 1876. The two were wed, and Thomas was forced to sign a contract that said he wasn't entitled to any of Flora's belongings and if they ever divorced, he had to pay her $10,000. Which really was like $2 million back then. It was a fucking shitload of money. But if she died childless, he'd be off the hook. Hmm. Hmm. Funny how things have a way of working out. <laughs> yeah, it's the first five minutes of Dateline. How you guys think it's going to end? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Was it the husband that found her mysteriously dead in the bed? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> well, the day after the wedding, Cream told his new in-laws that he was going to England to finish his medical education and, you know, get a pack of cigarettes because he'd be right back. <laughs> like They had to know what was happening, right? They had to be like, okay, well, but it got a contract, so if he divorces her, 10 grand in my, in my bank account. Yeah. Hell yeah. I'm going to get some of them Bitcoins. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny to me. It's just hilarious, <laughs> that the accent and the combination of Bitcoin. Because <laughs> that's usually what you hear people call Bitcoin Bitcoins. <laughs> they sound like that and have no idea what the fuck they're talking about. So, yeah, that's why. Yeah. Well, Flora... She never saw Thomas Crean again. Well, Thomas actually did go to London where he studied medicine at St. Thomas's Hospital in the neighborhood known as Lambeth. It was a charity hospital, which allowed Crean to study all sorts of crazy shit. But he took a uh, particular interest in gynecology. Ugh! Yuck! Mm. It only works if you know that I have a half-grown mustache right now. Mm. Oh, your little... Mm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Podcast is not a video, and you're like... Mm. Look, staring at the camera. Like, I feel personally assaulted. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he made that reaction, not because he's scared of Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> but I also am scared of Chinese. Yeah, they pee out of that thing. It's gross. <sighs> Some people put their mouth on it. Yuck. Ugh. Oh, where the pee comes out and babies and stuff. Yes. It's where weird. other dudes ejaculate. No. Gross. <laughs> oh, wait. I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, in April of 1877, Thomas failed. Oh, in April of 1877, Thomas took his medical license test at the Royal College of Surgeons of England and failed. I don't know why that's scary, Wolf Dick. 
He's getting a little overzealous with his fucking speaking spell He's wheel. Just had, he has three options, okay? He just did what he can. <laughs> I do. I deprogram everything else that he's able to do. Yeah. Like, hey, let's keep it on topic. So he really only has like six sound files this week to communicate with. I remember that time he pissed you off. He's like, my music is the only thing way I can communicate with people. And you took the keyboard away from him and just mm-hmm. left him with, you know, Price is Right drops. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That was a good time. Yeah. Well, shortly after that, in July, Thomas's wife, Flora Brooks, fell seriously ill. No one knew what the fuck was happening to her, and actually took some time for her to be able to speak again. But when she did, she confessed that she had written to Cream, and he had sent her a package of medicine that she willingly took. On August 12th, she died of unknown causes. A heartbroken... So sad. Grief-riddled. Thomas Cream then wrote a letter to her father demanding that he give Thomas $1,000 from Flora's estate. (laughs) Sorry about my dead bitch wife, in parentheses, your daughter. How about that fucking grand now? Even though he had signed a contract saying, I don't get shit if she dies, I just don't have to pay her anything, right? (laughs) How about a grand, man? Give me a thousand dollars or I tell everyone I had sex with her. He's like, oh, fuck, fuck, this cross eyed motherfucker. <laughs> well, their lawyers fought for an entire year before Cream settled for $200 instead. Just go away, you motherfucker, you fucking piece of shit. 200 bucks. The following spring, Thomas booked it up to Edinburgh where he took another medical licensing test, and this time, he passed. He did it. Just gotta go to Scotland. They don't care. (laughs) Yeah. He was a real-life doctor. Now he just needed a place to practice medicine. He booked it back to the United States and settled in Des Moines, Iowa, but decided that town was bullshit before moving to London, Ontario. There, he joined up with the Young Men's Christian Association, and sang at public events, just singing that same fucking song over and over again. Village people song, Greg. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yes, of course. Thank you for acknowledging my existence. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he was the perfect role model, except at night when he was often spotted drunk as fuck while hanging out with prostitutes. My man. Lucky. Mm-hmm. On May 1st, a woman was walking to the outhouse behind Bennett's fancy store. Every fancy store has an outhouse. That's what I've always found in my personal life. They better. Yep. Otherwise, it's not that fancy. (laughs) Right? I just got shit in the street out in front of your store? Okay. (laughs) What am I, a barbarian? In high heels? (laughs) All right. Coles, you asked for this. (laughs) (laughs) Boop, boop, boop. Sir, what are you doing? (laughs) Nothing, I'm fine. Sir, why are you wearing a Victorian dress with a hole cut out for your wrecked penis secretly (laughs) inside? I'm like, yes. This is where the fun begins. They're going to pass me around that jailhouse. I just know it. (laughs) Well, when she opened the door, she found a woman she assumed to be passed out next to a handkerchief and a small white bottle containing a clear liquid. But she wasn't passed out. She was dead. Yeah. This lady from 1877 is dead now. (laughs) Didn't see that coming. (laughs) 
Oh, no. <laughs> Authorities were called, but before the body was removed, a young, bushy-mustached, cross-eyed doctor named Thomas Cream appeared out of nowhere and informed officers that he knew the woman. Her name was Kitty Gardner. I know it's Kitty Gardner, but a Kitty Gardner. Like, yeah, you're putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable. <laughs> I just know your uncle's listening. I want to keep his interest. I don't Back get in it. those days, like kindergartner. Oh. <laughs> oh, now I get it. <laughs> Well, back in those days, the cause of death was determined by a coroner and a 12-man jury. There were no requirements for the coroner other than they had to be, quote, of sound mind, end quote, and possess, quote, the amount of education and mental ability necessary for the proper discharge of the duties, end quote. And the jury could be any 12 swinging dicks he could find. What if it's not long enough to swing? Well, you don't get to be on the jury. If it's just like a button on a fur coat, you can't be on the jury? Yeah. You gotta be hung? I got jury duty. You gotta be hung, jury. <laughs> you ruined my joke, you son of a bitch. I'm sorry. <laughs> I like spelling things out. We've established this. Like, <laughs> hey, I know what he meant. I'm smart. I got jury duty coming up. I hope that disqualifies me. Like, I get there on Monday and like, oh, phew. No way, this juror can be hung. I guarantee if you show up with your dick hanging out, you'll be disqualified. <laughs> and arrested. arrested but, <laughs> but disqualified. <laughs> yes. Well, the coroner in the case of Kitty Gardner should have gone to the scene before the body was moved, but he couldn't be bothered. And still, an exam was performed on Kitty's body, and it was determined that she was two months pregnant. Greg Abbott was like, sue everybody. Ten grand all the raft. <laughs> no, Greg Abbott. No. Ah, oh, he haunts me. <laughs> These are the real horrors that we face. It's not ghosts, mm -hmm. people. Yeah. It's Greg Abbott. It's Greg Abbott. I'm sleeping in my house at night and I can hear the his wheelchair falling down the stairs. He's like, God damn it! God <laughs> No abortions. <laughs> no COVID testing either. I'm like, oh God, he's out there. <laughs> also, Kitty had a burn on the side of her face, which indicated someone held a rag soaked in chloroform tightly against her skin. It was clear she had been murdered. All right, Wolf Dick. Could be a lot of this in this episode. You don't have to do it every time. Yeah. It's going to be a three hour episode, an hour and a half. It's just Halloween sounds. <laughs> yeah. It was then that her roommate came forward and said that Kitty had gone to Cream for an abortion. He had refused, not on moral grounds, but because he wanted to go sleep with a wealthy businessman, and then together, they'd blackmail that businessman by saying the kid was his. So what happened to Kobe? <laughs> Is that? I thought it was a helicopter. Whoa. <laughs> I meant in Colorado. Oh, you're talking about the, the other thing, yes. The thing we all forgot once he hit the mountain in the helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that thing. And then he was a great man suddenly. Yeah, 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 yeah. he's a hero. Mm -hmm. Well, the day after Cream had approached her about the abortion and the blackmail scheme, the businessman received a letter threatening him, which he ignored until Kitty turned up dead. It was brought before the inquest, and Kitty's roommate said it was clearly not Kitty's handwriting. Cream was questioned, and he said that Kitty had asked for an abortion 
he had said no. He wasn't even questioned about the blackmail plot, and when he said he didn't keep chloroform in his office, no one bothered to check. The investigator's getting ready to go, and he's got the bottle with the rag. It's like, oh, I'm not going to check your office. He's like, oh, shit, put it in your pocket. <laughs> didn't see that. <laughs> Fucking idiot. And, of course, no one there knew that Cream had written a thesis at McGill University on the applications of chloroform. A few days later, the jury ruled that Kenny had been murdered, but they had no fucking clue who had done it. Cream was free to go, but his reputation was ruined, so he headed for Chicago. That's where you go when your reputation's ruined, you know? Mm-hmm. Shortly after arriving in Chicago in 1879, Cream set up a practice that specialized in, quote, diseases of the womb and helping women, quote, get over their troubles, which was all code for the providing of illegal abortions. It's the best kind of abortions. Those are the, if you will excuse me, those are the sexy abortions. <laughs> The forbidden abortion just makes it hotter. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's like, uh, you know, for all you guys that like butts, mm-hmm. why get with a Kim Kardashian when you can just get somebody with, uh, you know, a little cement and tube inflation, caulking, and all Fix that stuff and inside of their, inside, sorry, <laughs> inside of their bottom. <laughs> Yes. Bottom cheeks. Oh, God. We're back, Chris. <laughs> Whew, and we're back. Yes. In August of 1880, a waitress named Mary Ann Faulkner was found dead. Her roommate, Hattie Mack, said that Faulkner had died after Dr. Thomas Cream gave her an abortion. Police went looking for Cream. When they found him, he denied knowing Faulkner. When they told Cream what Mack had said and presented a letter between the two, who they found in Cream's office, he changed his story. He said that Hattie Mack had performed the surgery and had called Cream to help after the infection had set in, but it was too late to save Faulkner's life. The coroner's jury determined that Cream and Mack had worked together to perform the abortion, and since Faulkner had died, it was a death penalty case. Cream was indicted, and Mack agreed to testify against him. Aaron stays witness. Like a bitch. Mm-hmm. Things look pretty grim, but you must remember one thing, one very important thing about the American justice system. And that holds true even to this day. Rich people don't go to jail, people. Then they do, and they get out. Bill Cosby's just free to do whatever he wants to your aunts and grandmas. Slip stuff in their drinks. Weird old man glass eyes that he has. Jeez. Cream's dad hired the best attorney in Chicago, who would later be known for bribing jurors. During the trial, Cream brought and described the drawings he had made of the female anatomy in a, quote, very explicit manner, end quote. You see, there's the juice drippings coming off of the pussy. (laughs) You can see them there. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Yep, I'm uncomfortable too, innocent. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the, the sideburns of that uh, Ron Howard girl. <laughs> As you can see there, I've, I've highlighted in red. Yeah. You, you can see it's not her vagina is not as cute as it was in Happy Days. but. Uh... And I'm a big fan of hentai, so you'll, you will see <laughs> it being penetrated by that large monster tentacle right there. <laughs> Using a laser pointer back in that's 18, how women's 1880. Work. 
<laughs> well, the prosecutor pointed out that he was suspected of murder in Canada, but Cream said he was never charged and claimed that he had never performed an abortion and nobody questioned his dead ex-wife, you know, who had died from the abortion and the pills he gave her. After testimony, the judge basically told the jury that Cream was a trained professional and wouldn't have botched the abortion, so obviously Hattie Mack had done it. He was found not guilty. Like, this judge seriously went out of his way. He's like, hey, you know, this is a pretty botched operation here. This guy's a trained professional, went to McGill University in Montreal, graduated from the surgeons in Edinburgh. This guy would know how to perform an abortion if he wanted to. I'm just saying. If this guy wanted to murder a bunch of women, he would know how to fucking do it. Right. Uh, this guy's this is kind of botched, so obviously it wasn't him, but you guys decide. Well, up to this point in the story, it's possible that Dr. Cream was just a really, really shitty doctor and had botched a few abortions and maybe occasionally, accidentally poisoned a couple of women. No big deal, right? Who hasn't been there? You just drop something in the drink. And like, oh shit, that didn't work. No? Okay. Uh, well, things were about to get even more wheels off, and you'll hear all about them after this break. You mean this one right now? Yes, this one you're about... Yeah, right. Right. We are back from break. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you had a good time. I know I did. We played a little bit of chess in the break. Greg just smoked me a little bit, but that's okay. I'm going to come back. I'm going to get him drunk. Then I'm going to take advantage of him. And then I'm going to win at chess. (laughs) (laughs) We're on Zoom. I can only do one of those things. Um, But no, hope you enjoyed it. And we're about ready to tell the second part of the story. But uh, you know what? We have to do something here. We have to do something. Seems like I forget every week, strangely. Like, I'm like, oh, what, what is this thing we have to do? What is this hmm. very special thing that we do every week? It's the only segment we keep going every week. What is that? Oh, that's right. It's the second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. Second half Right, and three, two, one, pop your tops. Oh, yeah, splash splashed in my face. You know, it's good when that happens. I think it went all over your computer, too. <laughs> you might want to check. That's, that's, if you check out my OnlyFans, that happens quite often. Oh, God. I've got saran wrap on the computer for a reason, Greg. <laughs> yeah. Uh, full disclosure, this is the second seltzer I've popped. Since we've come back from break, the first one was god-fucking-awful. If you find the fall collection of Bud Light seltzers, don't do it. Don't do it to yourself. Because that maple pear... maple pear. It was like drinking maple syrup. doesn't sound good. You would think there'd be some pear in there, but no, it was like... Uh, you know, used to, when I go to Denny's, and they bring the, the syrup in the little pour shot glass, I'd drink it like a hilarious joke. Like, <laughs> That's hilarious. An, I'm an edgy 19-year-old. Look at this, guys. Isn't that funny? Now I tasted it. I'm like, God, what is wrong with me? I feel like I had diabetes. There's like zero sugars, but I, I'm pretty sure I'm dying now. I'm going to a coma while you do tell the people the rest of the story. I mean, I'm drinking a bang, one of my 
uh, wife's soldiers yep, that yep. she doesn't like anymore. She doesn't like my to bang quote, unquote, anymore? Lie. <laughs> my quote-unquote wife's soldiers. <laughs> but no, for real. They're called bang mix. Yeah. Boy. Not good. There's a... They are packing a flavor punch. And I say punch in the worst <laughs> usage of punch. Like, I feel like I'm getting hit when I drink it. Yeah. It is a lot. This one is called Frosé Rosé. <laughs> oh, that's fancy. Marketed to men like me. <laughs> <laughs> the fanciest of gentlemen. <sighs> right? Well, well, we got our seltzers. We both regret our choices. How about we tell some people about more regular role choices? You know, maybe some decisions they wish they didn't make by telling them the second half of the story, Greg. How about I do that and uh, you just sit there and sober up? Oh, that's not going to happen. It's going to get worse. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I will, uh, I'll do the best that I can. That's all we can ask. Starting now. In March of 1881... A maid named Ellen Stack had been feeling sick for several days. She claimed a doctor named Bebe had vaccinated her against smallpox and had given her some medicine to take. One night, her employers burst into the room to find her writhing in pain and having violent convulsions that twisted her arms and legs. It was then that she admitted that she had gone against her employer's wishes and had sought the medical advice of Thomas Cream. Poor old Miss Stack. Mm hmm. Well, she died. What? Mm-hmm. The coroner didn't rule that it was a poisoning, but reporters sought out Cream, and he immediately said that Stack had been poisoned, and it was done by a drugstore owner named Frank Pyatt. But when the reporters and police asked Cream for proof, he said the medicine Pyatt had made and that Cream had given to Stack was nowhere to be found. Hmm. Hmm. That's my suspicious noise. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, apparently that's Wolf Dick's suspicious noise. Mm -hmm. It's weird. He, uh, you know, we have a ring doorbell, right? Mm -hmm. But because, you know, Wolf Dick is as invalid as he is and as technologically advanced as he is, you know, the things that allow him to stay alive and communicate. Mm -hmm. uh, we've tied the ring doorbell in to Wolf Dick's programming, basically. <laughs> okay, makes sense. With and you. so instead of the normal ring chime when uh, my uncle comes over, that's the doorbell for <laughs> the that's screen. The, that's the chime when my uncle comes over. <laughs> With Pyatt's name in the papers, Cream figured that was enough for him to start blackmailing again. He wrote letters to Pyatt saying he actually did still have the medicine and he was going to turn Pyatt into the authorities. Pyatt completely ignored him because he knew Cream had fucked with the prescriptions after they'd been filled. Since the day after Stack's body was found, Cream had, you know, he'd come around to the drugstore <laughs> and demanded that Pyatt destroyed the original prescriptions. Not suspicious at all. Nah! Hey, you know that thing I wrote for all that, uh, that heroin? Could you, like, maybe just get rid of that? It would help me a lot, a lot. Just say, if you, you just help brother out. We're both in the medical field. I'm a doctor. You're, you're not really a doctor, a lesser human. You're, you're a pharmacist. You don't really matter in the long term. Uh, but if you could just delete that prescription, that'd be fantastic for Yes, sir, me. Mr. Seymour Hoffman. Will do. 
Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip. Philip. Is he fucking Russian, little <laughs> Russian boy? Philip. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, though, right? No, what is that? What are you talking about? I probably do, but I don't. He fucking right overdosed? Now. Oh, he did overdose. I didn't know that's where we were going with that. I thought it was like a movie role. Like, oh, yeah, he played a doctor and he came Heroin in Heroin prescriptions. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, huh? You just, you're like the home improvement. <laughs> I even have 1978 Tim Allen mustache, and I'm willing to turn you into the authorities so I can get off and start an acting career. Okay. Could continue. What is that about? That's what Tim Allen did. What'd he do? He was trafficking cocaine. He snitched on people. Really? He got arrested. He snitched on people. We both have the same thin, paper-thin mustache. Yes, like in the late 70s, he uh, got caught with some heroin, uh, not heroin, it's cocaine. He got caught with cocaine, snitched on people. They went to jail. He got off. He started an acting career. And now he's child icon Buzz Lightyear. That's fucking Tim man. the Toolman Taylor. Talking about a turnaround. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's what I plan on doing after we're done with this podcast. Just turning my fucking life around. We'll see how it goes. Dude, that's the dream. I think I'll just end up in a gutter somewhere dying. <laughs> and no one will know because you don't have a mm. podcast anymore. Mm-hmm. The next month, a woman named Sarah Alice Montgomery checked into a hotel. The last hotel she'd ever check into. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, Wolf Dick, now it's actually your time and you don't fucking do it? <laughs> All right, God. He's just... Yeah, Someone he's in his own world. Yeah. He knows what's coming. He knows what's happening in two episodes when this contract runs out. Two? <sighs> episode you guys doing an episode without me? <laughs> <laughs> Within hours, she had the same painful, violent convulsions that Ellen Stack had suffered, and she too died. Which, uh, I've read something about this this kind of poison that he's using. Whoa, whoa, who, who? Just this random yes. person. Okay. Yes. Um, a lot of the ways, at least they used to diagnose it, was they, they would just find a fucking dead body, and they're like, what happened? If, like, there was ribs and, like... Vertebrae? That's vertebrae. I'm like, spine bones. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Spine bones broken. Then yeah. they were like, okay, this was a poisoning... Because it causes you to do this. Yeah. But enough to where you're breaking bones in your body. Imagine how yeah. painful that is. Oh. Yeah. Oof. Anyway. I'd rather have some gay dude stab me to death and eat my heart. I mean, closeted gay dude, because don't everybody know, but that's what I'd rather have happen. Was Dahmer? That's a callback to a, a year ago. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. Like, he had to hide it from his grandma. Like, remember he killed somebody in his oh, grandma's basement? Yeah. Well, like, it's, it's my friend. Male. He was a kid then. Yeah. Ish. I'm just... Anyway. We can forgive him for that one because he was just a kid. Oh. Mr. Man from Texas over here wants to fucking give him the death penalty. Try fucking everybody. That's what we do in Texas. You 14? Tried as an adult. <laughs> yeah. What? Oh, abortion six days in one week? Kill him. Save the baby. <laughs> All right, the baby's saved. What do we do with it? Well, I don't give, give me, a shit. Give me $10,000 for turning him in. 
I was just posturing. I don't, I don't give a shit about the baby. <laughs> I don't care about that kid. This is all politics, brother. <sighs> yeah! That's the true horror of this episode is we're facing a lot of real life monsters, you know. Yeah. We're worried about this, dude. But that we happened can... 150 years ago. You know what the nice thing about doing this history podcast is and researching all this stuff? She's like, oh, all this has happened before. So we'll figure it out. We figured it out before. We'll figure it out again. Mm. Um, I'm just interested to see how this happens in 20 years. I don't care what's happening right now. <laughs> I can ignore my problems. <laughs> anyway, well, next to Sarah Alice Montgomery, there's a bottle of ergot, which was known to induce labor, and subsequently, it was used to cause illegal abortions. In large doses, ergot can be fatal, but she had ingested little more than a spoonful. So that didn't really make sense. Hmm. Well, it took them a couple weeks, but the authorities soon found that the bottle contained strychnine. And this is what I was describing earlier about. <sighs> it just causes those uh, orgasms. extreme spasms oh. and convulsions. Yeah. Yes. I wish. I'd be overdosing. Well, this poison, strychnine, it's extremely fatal to humans in even the smallest of doses. And it causes, like I said, spasms, convulsions, to the point that only the victim's head and feet are touching the bed while their back is arched straight up. That's some exorcism shit, man. That's fucking crazy. Like you walk in the room and somebody, only the back of their head and their feet are touching the bed. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you're even having, like, satanic... Well, it's my wife, but her boyfriend's under <laughs> weird say. reverse cowgirl. <laughs> it's like, you're having, like... A demonic possession or the best orgasm of your fucking life right now. <laughs> I mean, she said she didn't yeah. finish and that, that he's nowhere near as good as me, but I've never heard her make those noises. It's like a, it's like a wild hog. <laughs> <laughs> Within two to three hours of ingestion, the neural pathways that control breathing become paralyzed. And the victims just, they stop breathing entirely. And if you may not be able to breathe, you will scream. In hell. (gasps) Because you're dead. Oh my god. No one knew who had killed Montgomery, but Cream's office was two blocks away from the hotel she stayed at, and it was between the hotel and the drugstore where the prescription was filled. The coroner received several letters accusing Dr. Donald Fraser of performing a failed abortion on Sarah Montgomery, but he proclaimed his innocence and was never charged. It just so happened that Dr. Donald Fraser had also testified against Thomas Cream in his trial a year prior. It's weird. Hmm. Hmm. It's a strange quinky dink. They call that in the field of law. And or quinky dink. Produced by Dick Wolf. No relation to Wolf Dick. No. I mean, no familial relation. I think there's definitely something sexual. <laughs> hey, uh, Wolf Dick, you got herpes? You, did that test come back positive? Like, yeah. He hits whatever button means yeah on a speaking spell. And then? He's like, yeah, that was produced by Dick Wolf. He walks out of the room. 
Dick Wolf's only wearing panties, though. And on the back of them, they're black panties. On the back, it says Dick Wolf. <laughs> Produce. He's got the, the neon glow Wolf. around. Boom, 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 boom. At the doorway, he stops and puts his head over his shoulders. Gives a little wink. Bam, 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 bam. You think Dick Wolf actually sings that song when he climaxes? Because I do. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. Well, I think when he first walks into the room, he does the boom, boom, dun, 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 dun. and then he pulls his panties to the side and reveals his his penis. And, yeah. But by the time he climaxes, I think he's bam, 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 <laughs> full. Yeah. That's post yeah, that's that's the foreplay. No, post-coital. Oh, I don't know how that works. I've never had sex. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, in June of 1881, a man named Joseph Martin received several postcards accusing him of having syphilis and also of giving it to his wife and children. Mm. How do you give it to the children? Mm. You know, I don't want to know. Doesn't matter. It wasn't true. Well, I know, but the accusation is just so yeah out there, you know? The postcards were signed by Dr. Thomas Cream. Martin had already received two letters from Cream accusing him of the same thing, but the coast but the Coast Guard <laughs> But the postcards made it worse because anyone could just read those. You know? It's in the mail. Fucking it, it's not sealed. It's got the one that's got the hot chick, and it says, wish you were her. That's <laughs> funny. Yeah, Flip yeah, it yeah. over. You gave your child syphilis. Like, what the fuck? What did I just... <laughs> <laughs> well, Martin called the police, who promptly arrested Cream. Cream claimed that Martin had owed him $20 and had refused to pay. He also said he didn't see how he was being arrested for using the postal service to send, quote, lewd and obscene messages because people did that shit all the time in Canada. His landlady paid his $1,200 bail, which is $30,000 in 2021 monies. And that's like, we normally exaggerate about how much that shit is. Literally like $30,000 in today's currency. in bail, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And a hearing was scheduled for June 27th, but Cream was already out of the country and he was ducking even more serious charges. Daniel Stott was the station master at Garden Prairie Station near Belvedere, Illinois. His whole life he had suffered from seizures until his wife, Julia, met a new doctor in Chicago and started bringing Daniel fancy new medications with frills and lace all over them. Uh, Then on June 12th, 1881, Julia brought him a bottle containing a new bitter medicine. Fifteen minutes after taking it. He burped. I came. He burped, I came. <laughs> yeah. My my first novel. <laughs> it's going to be like Caesar's memoirs, but instead of I came, I saw who conquered. It's just I came. I got conquered and came. Vin Vidi. That's all it is. Vin Vidi. <laughs> Fifteen minutes after taking it. 
Daniel Stott cried out in pain and began having convulsions. He was soon dead. The local coroner was all like, Well, that sucks, but it was probably his epilepsy. Case closed. But he soon began receiving letters and telegrams from a Chicago doctor named Thomas Cream demanding that they investigate Stott's death as a poisoning. Cream said a clairvoyant had told him that one of his patients had been poisoned, so he was just passing on that tip to the coroner. Fucking Miss Cleo strikes again. Uh-huh. Her big tits. <laughs> He's like motorboating him. Oh, yeah, one of your patients is dead. He's like, oh, I know who it is. What was the, oh, he had to come up for air? Yeah. Some big old swang and titty. <laughs> An inquest was launched, and wouldn't you know it, Daniel Stott had died of strychnine poisoning. <laughs> I like how you're just leaning into the Texas stuff. Strychnine poisoning. Poisoning. <laughs> well, old down south girl Julia Stott changed her store several times now, <laughs> but eventually told the police that she and Cream had been having an affair, and she had agreed to help poison her husband. So he would be out of the picture completely. But after the poisoning, Cream had demanded that she give him power of attorney so that he could sue the drugstore that had filled the prescription. She refused, and the affair was called off. A manhunt was launched, but it didn't take long for authorities to find Thomas in Ontario because he had sent back more letters to Chicago while on the run. This time, Daddy refused to pay the lawyer bills, and Cream was flat broke. I do keep doing that. Like, it, it's a southern plantation. Daddy refused to pay the murder Daddy refused. Bills. There's been a murder in Savannah. <laughs> uh, well, in fact, while he was in Canada, he had pawned his watches and jewelry to pay for whiskey. My man. My man. <laughs> <laughs> Julia Stott turned state's witness against him, and Cream was convicted of the murder of Daniel Stott. He was sentenced to life in prison. The world was finally safe from the poisons of Thomas Cream. Or was it? He was sent to Joliet Prison, which was just an absolute shithole. His cell was seven by four, had a straw mattress for a bed and two buckets. One for washing and one to, well... You can probably guess. Come in. I, never mind. I need to spell it out. <laughs> uh, and one to shit in. Oh. Yeah. And yeah. piss. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. You eat the semen. <laughs> Chris, what's wrong with you? Still sounds better in my efficiency apartment, but that's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Every day except Sunday involved 10 hours of hard labor breaking rocks and forming stones for building. And if you broke the rules, which Cream did on several occasions, you got to spend a few days in solitary confinement, which involved staying in a tiny, dark cell 24-7 and living on a diet of sliced bread and water. And little known fact, also while they were doing their time in solitary, for those 10 hours a day they were supposed to be working, they had to be chained to the door and stand up for those 10 hours and basically just stand on their feet and do nothing. If they tried to sit down, they got the beatings. So if you thought you were going to be able to uh, go to a maximum security prison and break rocks while sitting down? <laughs> Idiots. No. 
you're not Andy Dufresne, okay? <laughs> you can't make a chess set. Or, more importantly, tunnel yourself out of the fucking prison. But the chess set, you know, that's pretty important, too. Also, in the book, um, which I don't know if you guys know, Stephen King, I am a learned man. <laughs> <laughs> this is my evidence of that. But uh, in Solitary, they would be on a, a diet of bread and water. Oh, that's good mm -hmm. to know. And Morgan Freeman was white in the book. Oh, that's disappointing. Let's cancel Stephen King. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. Motherfucker can't write an ending to a book to save his life. That's what I'm saying. Let's cancel yeah. him like three quarters of the way through a book. Yeah. And like, oh, that was really good. Okay. Bad guys win. End of story. He's like, oh, no, it was aliens. Oh, that fucking sucked. That's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, back then, life sentence only meant life sentence if you didn't have a political connection that could, you know, really finagle to get you a pardon. And remember, Cream's family was pretty well off, mm -hmm. specifically his brother Daniel. And uh, he worked hard to get him a pardon in the early years, but it was rejected. Then, in 1897, his dad up and fucking died, so the effort was renewed. It took four more years. Four more years. Four more years. <laughs> Trump 2024. There's your, there's your Trump joke. <laughs> Don't vote. It's rigged. That's what he's yes. been telling people this past week. Like, don't I, I know. I, I'm, I'm very tapped in. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> All the news stories I bring up you've never heard before. Because they're not major stories. Smash Mouth broke up. It's a huge story. <laughs> Demi Lovato says aliens is offensive. Come on, man. Uh. It took four more years, but the executor of his father's will was able to convince a shitload of people to write the governor, proclaiming Cream's innocence. He was granted his pardon on June 12, 1891, ten years to the day after Daniel Stott's death, and he was officially released on July 31st. When he got out, Cream moved back to Canada with his brother, but they noticed that during his years in prison— he had gone completely bald and... Ugh. Man, Ugh. Also... Gross. He had gone completely fucking insane. <laughs> like any loving family, they decided the best thing they could do to help their poor, poor brother was to give him a little money and ship his ass off to London to live there instead. Once there, he began going by the name Thomas Neal. He made a few friends, and they noted that he was obsessed with women and poison. He carried around pornographic photos and would show them to pretty much anyone. His laugh sounded forced and fake, and he was constantly taking pills, which he said were cocaine and morphine, to help his headaches. I don't see the problem with any of that. He also claimed the pills were an aphrodisiac, which I'm sure they were. Mm -hmm. On October 13th, 1891 a prostitute named Ellen Donworth fell dead in the streets of Lambeth. It was determined that she had died of strychnine poisoning, and the London Detective Agency, Scotland Yard, determined it was a suicide, even though strychnine could only be sold to doctors. <laughs> she fell on eight bullets. How did that happen? <laughs> and when they received a letter from a man named A. O'Brien, 
saying he could solve the murder for 300,000 pounds. They wrote it off as the work of a madman. 300,000 pounds really is like a billion fucking dollars in modern money. It's ridiculous. Well, sure, but what was the conversion rate back then? Yada, yada. It doesn't matter. Anyway. Eight days later, another prostitute, Matilda Clover, began to convulse in her bed. She told her roommate, That man Fred has poisoned me. (laughs) She was 80, apparently. She was a very old prostitute and a witch. (laughs) (laughs) And said she had taken pills he had given her. She soon died. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I was laughing. Yes. She's dead. monster. Yeah. Now, she had been an alcoholic and had drank wine that night, so the coroner chalked it up to alcohol poisoning while ignoring the violent spasms she had suffered. The medical examiner wasn't even told about the spasms and said she had died of the DTs from alcohol withdrawal, even though... She had drank that night. (laughs) Whoops. Which, that's delirium tremens for all of you. (laughs) Get the casuals out there. Yeah, you fucking lightweights out there who's never seen a pink elephant (laughs) dance across the ceiling. Well, Fred was described as a tall man with a bald head, bushy mustache, and crossed eyes. Hmm. That is exactly who prostitute Louisa Harvey met in late October of 1891. After she and Fred met, he offered to bring her some pills for some spots on her head. You know, I think 1891, London prostitute. Hmm. There's going to be some syphilis spots. That's that's what I imagine. I don't don't know about you. I speak liver spots. I thought she was like 90. But yeah. Okay, continue. That man Fred has poisoned me. (laughs) (laughs) She's hitting her med alert on her fucking necklace. Like, please help me. Uh, I'm abducted and I can't get out. Timmy <laughs> yeah. Devano says I can't call them aliens anymore. I don't want to live in a world where I can't call them illegal aliens. <laughs> oh, she's from Texas. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Well, luckily for her, her pimp had been following her and advised her not to take the pills. <laughs> luckily, her pimp's following her. <laughs> when, Fred w- when Fred returned with them, she faked taking them and dumped them into the Thames River. Cream had been in London for about two weeks and had already killed two women and presumed he had killed a third. He then found three rich and famous people in the paper and wrote them letters saying he had evidence that they had committed the murders. Two of those people gave the letters to Scotland Yard, who tried to trap the blackmailer, but Cream never showed up to the agreed-upon meetings. They also ignored the fact that he accused one of them of killing Matilda Clover, whose death had been ruled an accident. (laughs) Whoops. They didn't even check to see if Matilda Clover had died at all. He's making shit up. It's fine. We got him. A month later, Cream convinced a girl 20 years younger than him named Laura Sabatini to become his fiance. My man. Sounds so hot in Italian. Mm. Sabatini. So Catholic. So Mm. desperate to have babies. I'd eat that mushroom. My Mario would grow twice in size. (laughs) Get that fire Mm. flower. I give her herpes. Yeah, oh, you know how it yeah. works. Fuck yeah. 
But Cream was broke, so he decided to hop on a ship back to America to try and get more money from his family. Along the journey, he basically told everyone he was addicted to pills, he hated prostitutes, and he committed illegal abortions like <laughs> all the time. In big day. Listen, I'm just trying to show off for my boat friends. You know, we gotta look fancy on the boat. Boat friends! Yeah. Yeah, like, Rose's mom from Titanic, she's not gonna accept me if I'm, like, a normal dude. Bitanic? Bitanic? Did I say Bitanic? They said Bitanic. You wish. Drop me like one of your French boys, Jack. (laughs) She's not gonna accept me if I'm just, like, this normal dude. Like, I'm second-class passenger. But if I killed a lot of prostitutes, she'd be like, oh, you're doing the Lord's work. Mm-hmm. My daughter's something of a prostitute, except she's betrothed to Billy Zane. Sexy, sexy, never will go out of style, be a superstar forever, Billy Zane. <laughs> well, eventually, his brother gave him about $30,000 and told him to fuck off back to London. And that's exactly what Cream did. In April of 1892, two more prostitutes, Alice Marsh and Emma Shrivel, were found poisoned in their shared apartment. Emma Shrivel lived long enough to identify her suspect as a certain Fred Flintstone. <laughs> Every time he like poisoned them or tried to have sex with them, is it was just a rock pun. Like a, a, a dinosaur rock pun. You're like, oh god, this is fucking terrible. Well, no, the poison is like, mm, this one tastes like grape. Mm, I like it. <laughs> it's just yes. that Barney Rubble Flintstone vitamin. <laughs> hey, Fred, I hear we're killing some prostitutes tonight. You know it, Barney. <laughs> Hop in the Lambo. Uh, fucking doors <laughs> slide up. You know? Yeah. You hear that engine more. <laughs> Those feet just... <laughs> <laughs> but if Wilma or Betty are real people, I totally would. Totally would. Mm, I have Dino, though. <laughs> oh, <that> Dino. <laughs> the police finally went to work trying to identify Fred and, by interviewing witnesses, determined that Matilda Clover had been murdered after all. What? Wow. An officer had actually seen Cream leaving Matilda Clover's apartment before she was found dead and then spotted him again in late April chatting up other prostitutes. He was followed, but didn't kill anyone. And soon thereafter, the police received a letter implicating a medical student in the murder, so they stopped following Cream altogether. A detective soon realized that all the letters they received might be connected requested a writing sample from Cream, who, oh, like a complete fucking idiot, gave them one. <laughs> the handwriting was an obvious match for the other letters, and Cream was arrested for extortion. A detective was then sent to America to look into Cream's past. When he returned a few months later, the police knew that Cream had to be their poisoner. He was charged with four murders, one attempted murder, and two counts of extortion. Strychnine had been found in his possession. The drugstore clerk testified that Cream bought tons of the stuff on the regular. Louisa Harvey testified against him, as did his fiance, who said he had confessed to the extortion plot. Cream, who did not testify, 
seemed bored by the whole thing and barely reacted when he was found guilty and sentenced to death. Wait, did the gloves fit? No, he quit taking his blood pressure medication. Uh-huh. See, I've heard before, if the gloves don't fit, he must have quit. But he was found guilty. That's bullshit. What is this? What is this horse shit? This is, he was railroaded. This motherfucker was innocent. There's still a killer out there to this day who did all this shit. And we're like, hey, let's just find the first uh, wealthy white person we can find, pin it on them. Typical American justice served in London. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Cream's execution was set for November 15th. In the interim, he was sure to get a reprieve and did a little dance in his cell when he heard the government was considering an insanity plea instead. But that plea was rejected, and on November 15th, he was hanged to death. You know, here's, here's where the criminal justice system has gone soft. In like 600 years, they went from, you know, they went to hanging someone to death, but they didn't cut off his dick and balls and shove them in his mouth. They didn't watch him, you know, let him watch while he cut up in his stomach and burn his guts in a fire. The pussification of America, Chris. Yeah, that's what it is. Or (laughs) England. The Lambeth Poisoner was dead. But some say that on certain October nights such as these, you can still see a cross-eyed ghost watering the streets of London, offering people pills and the opportunity to look at pornographic photos. But that's probably just Chris on vacation. Fuck you, wolf dick. End of story. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! We did it. We told another Halloween tale of serial killerdom. If that's a word, which I think it is. I think that's uh, that's a word, right? Certainly, yes. Um, We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you had a good time learning about Dr. Cream, not somebody we knew a lot about. And maybe you don't know everything about him because there's still a little bit more to go. There's still, like, three or four things you don't know about Dr. Cream and his life, and we're going to tell them to you right now in the Fast Facts. Fast fact number one. When he was on trial the first time in Chicago, Thomas shared a cell with another man accused of providing legal abortions named Charles Earl. The two became good friends and discussed legal strategy, and Cream even attended Earl's trial after his own acquittal. That didn't help Earl, and he was sentenced to seven years in prison. Fast fact number two. The strychnine cream got in London came from a drugstore that was next door to Scotland Yard. The druggist was only supposed to sell it to doctors and couldn't find Dr. Neal or Dr. Cream in his registry list, but he decided to sell cream the strychnine and gelatin capsules he put it in anyway. (laughs) Fast fact number three. During his London trial, the prosecution received a letter saying that Thomas Neal Cream was innocent of the murder charges and is really the letter's sender who had poisoned the Lambeth prostitutes. It was in Cream's handwriting and it was signed Jack the Ripper. 
When it's read aloud in court, everyone, including Cream, laughed at this ridiculous attempt to clear his own name. I love that he's laughing too. Worth a shot, guys, right? Fast fact number four. Speaking of Jack the Ripper, shortly after Cream's execution, rumors began to spread that his last words were, I am Jack, with Cream being hanged before he could finish his sentence. This led future fans of the Jack the Ripper case to include Cream as one of the possible suspects. But Thomas Cream was in jail in Illinois when Jack the Ripper famously butchered four prostitutes. All right, that does it for Thomas Cream and our Halloween episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, I do feel like it's a very creepy, interesting story we didn't know a lot about. You know, going back to the days of H.H. H. Holmes, they called H.H. H. Holmes the first American serial killer. I guess this guy killed too many people in other countries to earn that distinction, but uh, it's a very interesting story, something I didn't know a lot about before we started researching it, so I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did, check us out at 100proofhistory. That is our social media. They're mostly active on the Instagram, but there you'll find memes and hilarious things related to our story. You can also find us at 100proofhistory.com, which will link you to our Patreon, which will give you bonus episodes, early access to uh, new episodes, and, you know, just a bunch of shit that no one else is going to get. So check that out before it's too late. <laughs> For myself, your sexy co-host Christopher, and Wolf Dick, our producer, uh, Dan, the intro guy, I say thank you guys for listening. Main host, just deliciously sexy main host, Gregory. What else? I yeah, honestly, guys, man, tis the season, tis the Halloween season. I hope you enjoy it. Hope you get tons of uh, candied apples with razor blades and roofies <laughs> in them. Uh, but what I'm looking forward to is our next episode, episode 100, mm-hmm. where the wheels fucking completely fall completely off. Completely off. Oh. No fucks given. Ooh. I hope to see you then. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for always joining us. And uh, maybe when you go to sleep and you think there's a monster under your bed, I'm friendly. <laughs> I'm just here to get closer to you. <laughs> and your little brother. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, bye. Bye. Sexual. Date rape line. <laughs> what? Huh? Huh? Well, the day after the My wedding. Uncle cream, date raped me. You went on a date with your uncle and he yes. drugged you. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. I was holding out for the third date, but <laughs> son of a bitch couldn't wait. Yeah. We're in the middle of that Jack and Jill movie, and I'm like, this is awful. And I just downed that whole drink. I didn't care what was in it. You just, just end it. <laughs> trying to save myself, Uncle. <laughs> oh, it's the worst podcast on the internet. I thought we were going to see Jack off Jill. I was excited. <laughs> she has a penis? No. <laughs> They're both like that Adam Sandler and adds up. I'm going to see that Adam Sandler dick. Yes. <laughs>
Oh, this really is a bad podcast. It's the worst podcast. I hope it ends in like an episode and a half. Just me too. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna make that joke. I gotta fake it until no. I make it. Yeah. <laughs> Cole Powell's a war criminal. There, I said it. I said it. Yes. <laughs> no, a Leonardo DiCaprio movie. Come on, man. Look. <laughs> it looks like you said his name is this. Look. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio. Well, he's so not a hick right now. Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> well, son, let me let me let me tell you here. I'm Falco Neckhart. This is our best episode ever. I'm just gonna say no, it right not. now. You're just I'm drunk. gonna say it right now, and then you you can put it in at the end. Best episode ever. You're an idiot.